Welcome back to episode 32 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined virtually once again by Fitz, Glick, and Herm. Boys, how are we doing today? We're going to throw it over to Fitz first. He's been out of the office for a while and glad to have him back on today. I'm doing good, boys. It's been way too long. It's like almost a month since I've seen you boys. So it's good to be back and uh, glad to hear from you boys. Glick, how you doing? I'm doing great, Fitz. It's good to have you back. This week, I'm just kind of in the process of packing, getting ready to move out. So I'm very excited about that. Herm, how are you doing? Doing great. About to hop over to a new job. Super excited about that. And we're going to make some big moves with it. Fitz, now give us a little more here. What exactly have you been up to today? Because I feel like it's going to come full circle tonight when I go to Portland and go to a Sea Dogs game. <laughs> That's crazy that you're going tonight. Yeah, it's been a... Uh... A crazy few weeks. I flew out to Portland, Maine. What was that? Like a Monday, and they get rained out. So we pick them up and we try to go to restaurants around there. I don't know if you guys have been to Portland around this time, but I didn't know there was going to be like a million tourists, and we couldn't get like a single place. We couldn't get into any restaurants to eat. So we ordered something to the hotel, ate in there, and then there's a doubleheader the next day. We go watch that brother hits a nuke, not a big deal. And then we're walking to the car after the game. We get a call from my brother, Ryan, and he says he's gotten called up to AAA. And so now he has to pick up his stuff. It's like 11 o'clock at night and he's got to drive to Fenway first to get COVID tested. Then he goes on from there to Worcester, Massachusetts. And my dad drove with them. We only have one car. So it's me, my mom, and my other brother, Brendan. We're stuck at the hotel in Portland. We got to find a way to Worcester. And so the next day, we call up an Uber. I call him and say, hey, man, we're going all the way to Worcester, Massachusetts. Like, is that all right with you? And he's like, oh, no way. So he cancels the ride. I'm like, I'm going to be calling for the next like hour. We're not going to get to Worcester. This is going to suck. Next guy, I try. Uh, he's from Baghdad, Iraq. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I don't care. So he drives us two hours from Portland to Wooster, an expensive Uber, the most expensive I've ever taken or ever had and the longest I've ever had to go on in one of those. And we get to Wooster. And then he has another doubleheader the next day. So he played four games in 20 hours. And then we spend the week in Wooster. He's, he's been doing well. So I, I don't know why they're sending him down. He, he did fine in AAA, but he just got sent down after their Sunday game. And now Murph's going to see him tonight in Portland. Yeah, we're doing a, a late birthday present from my dad. He's got to fly out of Portland tonight for a work trip in Jersey. So we're, yeah, we're going to see the Sea Dogs play the Binghamton Rumble Ponies tonight. Looking forward to that. And, you know, just I've always said like, hey, my family's huge Sea Dog fans. Like we always go once a summer. He's like, let me know. My brother's there. And, you know, perfect timing. Hate seeing him get sent down at this point in the year, but perfect timing for us. So we'll enjoy that tonight. And be sure to give some updates next week. Busy stuff going on in the ACHA as everyone seems to be heading back to campus this time of year. I know I'm leaving Thursday morning and I have not, I've packed one box of stuff and it has like a crock pot that my mom just got me that I've never used before and a blender. Glick, in terms of packing, where are you right now? So I have most of my big furniture already at the apartment so all i really have left is like my desk chair and some clothing and some food so it, it's going to be a light trip down there but you know i'm just kind of lucky i was able to split it up between two or three trips down yeah i was fortunate enough to leave some big things at the house when i moved in back in june not yeah, not looking forward to making the trek over to syracuse Fortunately, my family's gonna see more minor league baseball this week though because my sister is playing a lacrosse tournament in buffalo 
So that's why I'm going back to school early so I can see her play in Buffalo. So we'll catch, I believe the Syracuse Mets play the Buffalo Bisons. My family just can't get enough of minor league baseball this week. But looking forward to getting back to school and getting on the ice with the guys as we kind of gear up for tryouts and everything. One school that is certainly gearing up for tryouts and other things is the University of Alabama. And they've kind of reached out and kind of a cry for help at this point with their program. They're having some locker room and arena issues right now. Interesting story. They were kind of one of the top teams in ACHA for a while. They play about an hour from campus and the COVID canceled season for them didn't help them at all. And they're behind on money. And so now they're asking for more money before the season starts as they look to pay for a a locker room that they built themselves. And they sent out this whole press release. It looks like they're starting to get some funds going. But for most teams in the ACHA, everyone's looking for money this time of year. So I can't imagine what it's like you know, trying to pay extra costs and dues for the rink that you play at. Click it fits. You guys play at off-campus arenas too, but I don't think you guys have ever been quite in a situation like this one before. No, the I, I guess only that the the rink doesn't open up for us is would be the closest to it. But uh, that was because of the whole COVID thing. So yeah, that that sucks. You spend all that time putting together money, raising money. You get your own locker room built, and now you're uh, you're struggling to to make ends meet. It's tough. Yeah, and it sucks how they built their own locker room, and you know, unless they get these funds, you're probably not even gonna be able to use it. You know, they they play in a great rink in in Pelham, I believe. I can't remember if there's a junior team in the Nall that plays there. Um, I think it's an SPHL team. Yeah. Or, okay. The Yeah, there's an SP team. We'll have Herm double check that for us. But yeah, yeah. Wishing those boys all the best this time of year and raising money. And as we get back to school, make sure that you're doing your back to school shopping. And you're doing it in the right place at sellyhockeyco.com. Be sure if you haven't already to hop on the website and look at their 1-9 apparel the apparel honors Patrick Romano, the Niagara defenseman who tragically passed away in March. The clothing line will feature a white shirt, a black shirt, and a black hoodie. The proceeds from every item purchased in the 1-9 collection will go towards the Romano Scholarship, a scholarship created in honor of the late Patrick Romano. So be sure to check out that clothing line at sellyhockeyco.com and be sure to throw in anything else you may need for back-to-school shopping, tons of hoodies, hats, and shirts. Be sure to check them out. We've got a great interview today. We've talked to Marissa Delry, a.k.a. Delhi. We had a blast talking to her. She's going to be the first female guest we've ever had on. So we're looking forward to that. And it's coming up next. For the first time ever, we're pleased to be joined by a female guest from the Lindenwood University Lions and Hockey House All-Star team. Please give a warm welcome to Marissa Delry. Delhi, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having me on, guys. We're so pumped to have you. This has been kind of a couple of weeks in the making. We had some schedule conflicts some technical difficulties, but we're glad that you could join us tonight and, and we're psyched to have you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. So let's get into it here. You just graduated from Linwood University. You want to kind of talk about how you ended up playing college hockey there? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I actually played at a level that a lot of scouts and coaches don't really look at. So I wasn't particularly looking for anything. We were all 99s. We were pretty much all aging out at the end. So our coach wanted to do like a big like last tournament type of a thing. So he goes, you know what? Like we're going to get like a coach bus. We're going to stay down in Connecticut for like a week. Go visit New York. Go visit Boston. Like we'll do this Connecticut like showcase tournament. So we go down there and it's like supposed to be a level above what we're playing. And we're like, okay, whatever, like we'll do the best we can. The teams ended up being like not very good, but there were, there were some scouts there. And one of them happened to be at the time, the coach for Lindenwood. She reached out to me and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like it's the ACHA, like the 
stereotypes and myths about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go down there. I'm going to skate with the team. I'm just going to look at the campus, like just see what kind of it's all about. I went down there and I was like, oh, this is the place for me. Like the team atmosphere, the coaching staff at the time, like everything about it was just like, this is the place for me. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you bring up because I feel like on the women's side, there's less teams at the Division One level. So maybe there's not exposure for the women's side of the ACHA. So that's interesting that you kind of had that perspective going into it. Yeah, for sure. Especially coming from Canada too. Like the ACHA is not really known. Really only the NCAA D1 and D3 level is pretty much known. And then obviously like the uh, youth sports that we have in Canada. Once you get to Lindenwood, what's kind of your welcome to the ACHA moment? Honestly, probably was my first weekend down there. We played Grand Canyon University. They were a brand new program. I don't think they've ever, ever played a game and stuff. They came down. We were a pretty established program. I think we were around for like four or five years at this point. So pretty established. I mean, they tried their best, but we ended up like clobbering them or whatever the first weekend. And I was like, oh, I hope this isn't like what it's like going to be like the whole time. Well, of course, the next weekend we played Liberty and they just like they just they dominated us, outplayed us like (laughs) typical Liberty hockey style. And that was my welcome to the ACHA. Like, oh, you get like kind of all skill levels, all all types of teams like in this league. You got to be prepared for anything. And now you've had quite the interesting hockey career in college. You've shifted campuses and gone through a pandemic and all. You want to kind of just explain to the listeners, kind of take us through freshman year all the way through senior year, kind of how it worked out. Yeah. So my freshman year, I mean, everything was pretty, pretty normal in a hockey season. We were ranked four or five going into nationals. We were in a great spot. We had great coaching. Uh, I think it was down in Columbus. Didn't go our way. We ended up getting swept, I think, by by Miami of Ohio. But it was super promising for that sophomore year. We had a bunch. We had like, I think, 10 graduating. We had a ton of new girls coming in. It was super exciting. The coaching staff was awesome. We ended up going to nationals that year, ranked like three, made like program history with like going to the semis and then making it even to the final. I mean, we didn't win that year, but it was just like, holy like, this is like insane. And then that's where everything kind of doesn't take a turn for the worse, but like definitely becomes a like whirlwind of just everything. We get an email like a month after we all come home from school and they're saying that they're going to close the Belleville campus. And we're like, holy moly, like, is the team getting cut? Like, what's going on? Like, are we even going to, are they like, are we even going to play this next season? Our coach emails us and goes like, guys, you're safe. Like we're going to go to the St. Charles campus, which is Lindenwood's main campus. And you guys are safe. Like we're going to play. Well, a week before we all show up, which is now going into my junior year, doesn't the head coach quit? And we're like, are you kidding me? Like on top of everything, like this is just insane. We end up getting a new head coach and he's, he's still there to this day. Super great guy. Love Andrew. Not even halfway through the season, like the assistant coach leaves for personal reasons, which that's okay. We love her too. Uh, She's actually coaching at Miami of Ohio now. Shout out to Kay. Then the pandemic hits, like six people transfer to rival schools. One person decides they don't want to come back. On top of all the seniors that like already like weren't coming back, we're like, holy crap. Our our roster goes from like 28 to like 17 in like the blink of an eye. We get to Lindenwood. There's no like locker room there for us that they promised would be done. It's just a room with nothing, like not even benches. 
or like hooks. We have to find like chairs around the rink that we like stole pretty much that are sitting in the locker room. We have like command hooks like holding up our gear with like our equipment half on the floor. They tell us we're getting a trainer. We don't get that. Our athletic trainer never shows up ever. I think he came to like one game all year. It was insane. I mean, they gave us the budget and everything, but the treatment probably changed a lot. But I mean, the season overall for us was fantastic. We were able to get an assistant coach. And for a while, we were ranked number one coming into it and made it to the national final again, but came up short to Liberty, which was super disappointing, but also just great to be there. Yeah, I know you mentioned it to me before we came on, but... Talking about that mindset going into the year, obviously you lose all those girls and you got 17 skaters going in. At what point did you kind of realize that like you guys had something and you maybe would have an opportunity down the road to go to nationals and compete? We always had the goal of going to nationals. That part didn't change. The goal and what we knew going into the season was we kind of had that mindset of like, we're just going to go into it and just like grind it out. Like we know we're probably going to have to play in our end a little more. We know that some games that normally aren't as close are probably going to be a lot closer. If not, we might even come up short on them. Really, I think the turning point was when we swept Minot State. At that point, we had swept Midland, which was a big W for us there. We split with Liberty, which was huge. We beat them in their own home barn, which is like big. And then we swept Minot State. And at that point, that's when we realized like, guys, like we got like a legit shot at like not only like going to nationals, but like really like having a chance to like even just compete and win the whole thing. And now you talked about kind of that transition and and girls leaving and transferring and not coming out for the team anymore. But did Lindenwood have an ACHA team on campus that you guys combined with, or was it a whole new roster coming over from the Belleville campus? They didn't have an ACHA team before. They only have a NCAA D1 team. So it was pretty much us just rebranding. Just like, I don't know, when Atlanta went to Winnipeg, just a rebranding thing. Same team, just different logo and jerseys, different campus. Yeah, pretty much. New rink too as well. What was kind of the the rink like in Belleville? It was interesting for sure. We loved the Shark Tank. We called it the Shark Tank. It was nice. The dressing room that we had was like super awesome. We got ice time like whenever we wanted. It was a smaller rink for sure. But the facility was like we got ice whenever we wanted to. And it did the job for us. It was home. Honestly, if I could go back, I would. From like a club sports perspective, when you guys made that transition, I know you talked about not having that trainer right away. And you guys had the locker room, but it didn't have the features you'd expect a locker room to have. Were there any other things that were different, like transportation wise, budget wise? No, budget and everything was all the same. Transportation was actually, it got easier because the rink at Belleville was 30 minutes from campus, 25, 30 minutes. And Centene was, it's only five minutes away. That worked in our benefit for sure, definitely, was the transition of like, the rink is way closer to us. So it was a little easier, I guess, a little bit when scheduling ice and stuff like that, because we could hop over really quickly back to campus. Deli, any fun rivalry games that you've had at your time at Lindenwood? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the highlights would have to be playing against Midland University in my senior year. We had three people transfer over to Midland. So one of them was our starting goalie and then a defenseman and and a forward. Or in the second period, they got a power play. One of the girls goes and uh, she clears the puck, but it's like it's going towards the net. And it's one of those like 50-50 ones, like does the goalie come out and play it? But how fast do you go at the goalie? So the goalie decides, hey, I'm going to come out and play it. She's probably top of the circle. It's one of those ones where like they might collide. 
So the goalie goes out. She ends up getting the puck first and clears it out. And our girl goes in and just takes her feet out from underneath her. And we're all like freaking out, right? Because we're like, oh my God, you just took out the goalie. This is this is fantastic. So whatever, like five minutes left in the period. Period's like done. I don't know if anyone knows that Midland, like you get off at the same place together. So we have to get off first. We're the visiting team. Well, doesn't their captain come over as we're all getting off and gets in the middle of us. And we're just like, we're circled right in around her. She's just going off. And we're like, yeah, well, if you punch us like one time, like you're pretty much dealing with like 20 of us right now. She never ends up throwing a punch, but we're like circling around her to the point where her teammates are coming in and they're like, okay, like you got to get out of here. Like you're going to get mobbed. Players are coming back from the dressing room because they noticed that we're not getting back in. And I don't know, I don't even know where the refs were. They obviously were just watching this whole thing go down, hoping that something would happen. <laughs> it was so bad that their their coach ended up cutting the footage out from the game film, so no one can see it anymore. There has to be some like parent in the stands who took a video of it. We gotta find that. The thing is though, that they had like they have like a rule at that time with COVID. Like no one was allowed in the stands. So I don't think anyone would have any footage of it. There's film of the hit happening. We've looked back and there's nothing of them walking in with us and trying to fight us. We have the same situation at Cuse. The visiting team has to come off the ice first and then the home team because there's only one door because they originally built the rink for figure skating only they didn't keep in mind hockey when they built the rink so we don't have that many locker rooms either same exact thing like there's always at the end of the period there's always confrontation by the door because both teams are going off the ice so i definitely relate to that i think that happens across the acha because there's all these wonky arenas and old time barns like i think i get a kick out of the fact that it was during covid too so like you said there's nobody in the stands to film it was there a lot of repetitiveness during the covid year did you guys play a lot of the same teams yeah actually we did i think there was only 10, 11 teams in the women's D1 this year compared to, I think, regularly there's like 28 or something. So I think we ended up playing Midland like seven times or like eight times. They were the team we played the most. We played Maryville like five times. Just this ridiculous amount. I think we played Minot State like four times. Normally in a regular season, we would only see a team once, maybe twice. Marissa, who were some of the best players that you played with at your time at Lindenwood? Oh my God, there's so many. Definitely my line mates this past season, Dakota, Shatsy, Gilly. She was like, four-time All-American when I was there. Loved playing with her. Blake was another great one. I only played with him my uh, freshman year, but I definitely, like, he taught me pretty much everything. I knew right from the start that helped me throughout the past four years. Oh my God, there's so many to name. I can't even think of all of them. Each and every player had, like, an impact on my like time at Lindenwood. That was a really cool question, Herm. Not only, like, the way you asked that, but Deli, the way you your face kind of lit up when you got to talk about your teammates, that was cool to see. Talk about maybe a little bit off the ice. Like, how would you guys spend your time at Lindenwood? What are the girls going and doing on the weekends when, when you guys don't have to play hockey? The campus when we were in Belleville and in St. Charles was about 20 minutes from downtown St. Louis. So a lot of the weekends we would go down and like rollerblade around the arch and just like stuff like that. There's always tons going on around campus and stuff like that. So we'd always be hanging out. Me and one of my buddies, we'd always play like COD and stuff like that on the weekends just try and take it easy especially on off weekends and obviously there's the hockey house so we go and like party and stuff like that on the weekends as well whose house is that is that the is that the women's team that has a house are you guys hanging out with any of the men's teams uh when we were in belleville there's a men's hockey house and then there was a women's one 
And then my sophomore year was conjoined. So that was super sick because we'd all hang out together like all the time and stuff like that and throw huge parties. And then junior year, there was no men's team. So it was just a women's hockey house. And then I guess this past year, we didn't really have a hockey house that I can think of with COVID and everything. They were super strict with like partying and stuff. They would, they would come around all the time and like bus parties. And if you were caught having a party and stuff, they'd kick you out of your house and you'd get sent into dorms. And you, I think you get your scholarship stripped from you. So there wasn't really any big, big parties and stuff going on this past year. You kind of talked about being the, the top dog in Belleville and you guys were probably the, you know, one of the main tenants at that rink. What's it like transitioning to this new rink? Obviously, it's where the ACHA is having its national tournament next year. What's that facility kind of like? I know you touched on the locker room situation when you first got there, but overall quality of ice and the way the facilities run. What are your thoughts on it? It's a top-notch facility. I can't complain about the ice. There's three ranks there, four in the wintertime, because we actually ended up having an outdoor game with Midland. So that was super cool. But probably the only frustrating part, which at Nationals, that won't be an issue. But at Belleville, we could get ice whenever we pretty much wanted. Because we played at like a, a little bit of a smaller rank. It's called the Shark Tank. We could pretty much get ice whenever we wanted. Now that there's like four teams, because there's two men's, there's a ACJ Division One, and then there's a Division Two team. And then with the NCAA team, like they get first pick at ice. So we were actually skating at like seven o'clock in the morning, which was super rare for us because we never did that last year. We would skate at like two o'clock instead. So that would be the only frustrating part was that we didn't get ice whenever we wanted. It was pretty strict on the time blocks that we could pick from. A lot of the times where in previous years, we could pretty much pick whenever we wanted to skate. Touching on Nationals, a team that you guys have faced off a lot against in Nationals in Belleville and and St. Charles is Liberty. What are those games like with them and how are they compared to the rest of the teams you guys play in the ACHA? Oh, they're they're top notch. Like I can't they're some of the best games of the year, I'd have to say. The the intensity, the pace, the way that they play overall, at least on the women's side, super respectful. Can't complain about them at all. I mean, they're a first class organization. Like I can't I can't say it like a, a bad thing about them. At least on the women's side. Just unreal. Those games are just I, I can't even describe. They're so intense. Two things to note. So on the men's side, there's this big joke that like Liberty is always like a little bit dirtier than the average team, but then they also have the whole religious side of the school thing. So it's kind of like a cloud over them at all times. Like they'll slew foot you after the whistle, but then there's the post-game prayer. And so it's, they kind of contradict each other. And then the other thing is, you know, people are always like, oh, Liberty could be an NCAA Division One team. Do you feel the same way about their women's team? I mean, as as the dirty play goes, I don't see that on, on the women's side, at least. I think that they're super respectful in that manner. But yeah, do I think that they could probably compete in Division One? 100%. They get treated like they're Division One. Just everything about them is Division One. And it's like that for all the probably top five, six teams. They all get treated kind of like a Division One-like style compared to some of the other teams have to play and which rink is a better one to play in centene or la Haye? oh i gotta go with centene like <laughs> i can't always say centene because they got the whole jumbotron thing with the lights going on and like we don't get that at centene at all but i mean i gotta go with the with the home home advantage here like i gotta pick centene every time but they got the cool jumbotron stuff going on which is pretty special. Minus the Jumbotron, and I've never played at Centene, so I can't speak for it, but 
based on pictures, I mean, they look pretty similar in size. Obviously, Centene's got the seating all the way around that the LaHaye doesn't have. But in terms of size and, you know, overall quality, they look almost on par with each other. They are pretty much on par. We got the Jumbotron too. We just don't utilize it as much as they do. But quality of ice, rink size, everything like that, pretty much identical. I think they got more of a press box and we don't. And I think that probably is like the biggest difference. I know you talked about practicing it at odd times. With that being the home practice facility for the St. Louis Blues, do you guys ever run any NHLers after skates? This year, not a ton because of the, the COVID stuff. We ran into them, I think, once. And one of our goalies actually got to meet Bennington, which was pretty pretty sick. She was like super hyped about that. With NHL protocol and stuff, we had to be out of the ring, actually. So we never got to see them. So from all your years at Lindenwood, what would you say is your favorite memory, the memory that's going to stand out to you the most? Honestly, I think this this entire past season with all the adversity and everything that we went through, I don't think a single one of us would have said, hey, yeah, like you're going to the national championship. I think that everyone would have been like, no, I think like we'll get there, we'll make it there, but we're not going to go to the national championship. We ended up calling ourselves the concrete cockroaches because you just couldn't get rid of us. We would just keep hanging around no matter like, like we dropped the first game of nationals against Liberty and then we beat Adrian and that was it to get us into the semis. And then we ended up being Minot to get to the finals. Everyone's like, how are they still in this thing? And we're like, because we're the concrete cockroaches. You just can't get rid of us no matter how much you try. We're going to have to get that on a Sally Hockey t-shirt, the concrete cockroaches. Deli, can you kind of talk about the college process a little bit more for women's hockey? I know a big part of the ACHA on the men's side is this backlog of junior hockey players. Can you kind of talk about what the process is like looking at playing in college as a female hockey player? My situation was a little unique because I wasn't actually looking to play college hockey. From other people's experiences, at least getting into the ACHA, a lot of players will go like they'll play junior. There's just one level of junior. They'll play junior or they'll play like prep hockey, essentially like at West and stuff like that. They'll play prep. And that's pretty much how you get scouted. I know that a lot of people have the stereotype like, oh, D3 is better than the ACHA. But I I really, truly don't think that. I can't really speak on that because I didn't look out to play college hockey. I'm not going to lie, kind of like fell in my lap. Like I wasn't seeking it out. So my process was a lot different than like what other people had to go through. Gotcha. And now that you've graduated from Lindenwood, what are you looking forward to most in your post-hockey career? This sounds bad, but just like playing for the sake of just playing for fun like it doesn't matter if I go to the rink and I win or lose like that doesn't matter anymore we're like it was so like intensified and like now I can just go to the rink and just like yeah I was on for a goal that's okay it's gonna be okay I'll live to see another day we're like if it's like that with my team like if you say oh I was on for a goal yeah you'll probably just get sad you just won't play the rest of the game if you think like that that's probably what I'm looking forward to (laughs) the most is the lax style that will come with beer league (laughs) like they say all roads lead to beer league no matter how good you are all roads lead to beer league Oh, for sure. Well, Deli, we really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us tonight and answer a lot of questions about the female side of the ACHA game. Awesome job this past year leading Lindenwood, like you said, to a national championship game. That certainly wasn't an easy task during the pandemic, let alone transferring schools. So once again, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it.
Once again, thank you to Delhi for taking the time to talk with us. It was awesome. Not only having our first female guest on, but she's also the first Hockey House All-Star to come on the show since we've announced that team. So that was awesome to hear from her and as she gave her perspective on the women's side of the ACHA and also kind of the crazy transition she went through during her college career. It was nice talking to her. Glick, what'd you think? I thought it was a great interview. You know, absolutely no complaints. It was just awesome to hear, you know, like I said, that woman's side and just the situation she had. And she had some pretty funny stories. And then Herm, what were your thoughts on it? I know we battled through some lots of technical difficulties on that one, but um, made it out all right. Yeah, we made it work at the end of the day. Listen to her stories just about her favorite teammates, just the the line brawl or the near line brawl with Midland. She was a really, really great guest. And like Glick said, it was awesome to hear her perspective on it. Moving forward, as we get ready for the season, the ACHA announced that they will be celebrating the 30th season during the 31st season. An interesting move by the league caused a little bit of confusion when they released the logo, but due to the pandemic, not many teams could play during the 30th year. So they've released this logo. It says 3-1. 3-1 is what they're calling it. Three and then the word one is in the logo. It's an interesting move. A lot of people didn't quite understand it when it first came out. And I think it's kind of cool that the league did this and did their due diligence. Instead of celebrating in a year like covid They waited a year. Instead of just coming out and saying this is the 30th season, they said, no, this is the 31st, but we're going to celebrate the previous 30. Herm, from a designer standpoint, what did you think when you first saw it? I just pulled up the text message that I sent to you on the 9th when they unveiled the logo, and it's just dot, 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 I don't get the ACHA logo 3-1 and Murph had to explain to me that it was 30 and 31 like had there not been the caption there I would have had absolutely no idea that's partially because the three in the logo looks like a z and I was like what is ACHA zone oh that's what that is so like the more you look at it it was definitely creative and I give them a lot of props for doing it at first glance I had no idea what was going on Fitz and Glick what are your thoughts on it I'm just pissed they waited to uh till I graduated to unveil it and have celebrate wait till I'm out of there I can't be a part of the celebration yeah and her I have to agree when I first saw logo I thought it said ACHA zone and that's just I don't know it's just a definitely very interesting choice I want jersey patches on everyone's jerseys this year that's what I want I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, or at least helmet decals. I think they should send out helmet decals for everybody. But when I saw it, I was actually, I thought they, like, they had the big press release for everything. And I, like Herm, thought it said ACHA Zone. And I thought they were getting, like, a behind-the-scenes TV show called ACHA Zone in celebration of the 30th year. And then I looked closer and read the, the fine print, and it's 31. But they're not shying away from the media this year. No TV show, but they are releasing on their YouTube channel a little digital series. They're going to talk to the original individual members that were responsible for the creation of the ACHA. Sounds like they got a lot of ACHA Hall of Famers and some people that have trophies named after them in the league. So that'll be exciting to watch. I hope that's a, a good production. It'll be interesting to see as a current ACHA player, where the league was when it first started. It's hard to beat the standard that Zach set down in NC State with the Ice Pack All Access. And I don't think they're touching the all or nothing Leafs uh, Amazon Prime series, but I'm excited to see what the ACHA comes up with. I think they should name it ACHA Zone and 
pretty much just use the same logo as they had for the 30th anniversary because it kind of works for both. All four of us will watch it because we're ACHA nerds at this point, but I hope more guys watch it. I think it could be a cool thing for the league. And like I said, I hope it's a good production. In terms of preparation for the upcoming season here at the Hockey House, we've got a fun little tournament going on this week. I'll say this week when the podcast comes out, we are releasing a Battle of the Barns bracket presented by the Hockey House podcast. We are looking for the best atmosphere in non-NCAA college hockey. We're going to be looking for 32 rinks um, with eight rinks in each of the four regions. Battle of the Barns, best atmosphere in the ACHA and the CHF. It'll be an exciting way to kind of promote the upcoming season with fans back in the stands and hopefully a lot of packed barns across the country. Really looking forward to this one. Herm, what do you think? I'm super excited. A lot of the smaller teams across the country, D2, D3, are really, really going to have their chance to shine. I think you Mary's going to come out swinging. We saw it during the national tournament with how well they packed the barn. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. We're strategizing right now. We're going to have our 32 teams, and either we're going to go by a regional setup or we're going to go by like a, a league setup. So like D1 has their own bracket. CHF has their own bracket. It's to be determined. It's all in the works. I'm interested to see kind of these schools in the Southeast, how they pan out. Because like we said, it's not... It's not best arena. I think there's a lot of great arenas. You look at the La Haye, you look at Centene down in St. Louis. Those are all great arenas, state-of-the-art facilities, but best barn. We're looking for the best atmosphere. So that's not necessarily the nicest rink, but it's the rink that maybe packs it every night and, and has got great fans that we're looking for. We'll start with Fitz. Fitz, in terms of best atmospheres that you haven't been a part of, but maybe a game you'd like to either see or would have wished you had played in, what's a rink that you wish you could have played at? We're always talking about Liberty, and I never got to play at the La Haye Center, so I'm going with that. Uh, we got to play Liberty in Louisville for like a tournament, but that was the only time I got to play them. Didn't get to play them at the La Haye, so I think that would be really cool to go there and see a game. You've played in another kind of hidden gem in the ACHA in the Lexington Ice Center. That's a place that packs it every night, and they play at midnight, so I'll be curious to see how they do in this tournament. Those fans are on top of you in that rink. I think they had like a, a fog machine, and I think fire when they came out, when the players came out too. It was really kind of intimidating. I'm not sure many teams in the ACHA have this. I know Liberty definitely has one, but they have like a real goal horn, not just like a recording of a horn. They have a live train horn in the arena and it almost blows the roof off the place. The guy sits above like the other team's goal with the, the horn and just like he that's what he lives for. He just comes to the games and blows the horn off. We'll turn it over to Glick. Glick, what about you? What's a barn that you you haven't got had the chance to play it yet, but you're looking looking forward to maybe someday? I'd have to go with Bird Arena. I mean, Herm, you and Jake two episodes ago just discussing what the atmosphere is there. It kind of got me almost you know excited and hoping that hopefully senior year I'll get a chance to go out and play just you know out there just the way you guys described it, the fans, the ring, just everything about it just sounds like a great atmosphere to play in. And then Herm, what what about you? You've traveled to a lot of rinks in the ACHA. So where, where's one place you haven't quite been yet, but you look to get a chance to go? So I've been plenty of places in the Midwest, but I haven't gotten the chance to go to the Northeast for a game. And may or may not, I haven't even told Murph about this yet, may or may not Alumni Weekend be planning a road trip up there to duel a orange game and a crunch game. May or may not. So I'm excited to see what happens for Syracuse's barn. I'm glad you said that because we've actually we've got our promotional schedule coming out soon. So that's in the works. We've got plenty of promo games. Alumni weekend is a huge one for us. We do kind of like a Hall of Fame ceremony and everything. Alumni comes back and usually a lot of family in the stands. 
family of all the alumni who are getting inducted. So that's a fun weekend. Hopefully you can you can get up here for that. In terms of rinks that I haven't played at, I had an answer in my mind, but kind of going along what Glick said of like, you know, senior year, hoping you can play at a place. Syracuse, we try to tr- do a trip every three years. So my freshman year, we flew out to Colorado, played the Colorado teams. That was fun. I think I'm going to start pushing for next season. I want to do a Vegas trip, playing at UNLV at City National Arena. I think like that's just a cool place to play it's where the gold knights practice one of the best practice facilities in the in the league and then unlv packs it every night i think that that would be a cool place to play and i think that's a rink that could do well in this tournament and you guys have a trade history with unlv too right myself and the social media manager at unlv we had some fun there it was a i believe the nhl free agency opened up that day so there was a lot of trades going on and they shot me a dm and it was like hey you want to make a trade and i thought like maybe we'd do like a fake trade like maybe i would trade myself for flanders and we'd have some fun with it and do a couple jersey swaps but no they want they want to have some fun with it obviously it's vegas so they wanted to you know do a big drink and show off their you know the strip in vegas so all is fun during the acha off season i can't believe no one said frank southern ice cream what, what the heck the fish tank frank is that what they call it because <laughs> it's tiny no, but we do have promotional <laughs> events and it's it's dressed like a seat night every night. So I it didn't catch on at Q's, but we were coming up with a promotional schedule, but I wanted to do a dress like a seat night. And post COVID, I wanted to do a night where we invited nobody to come to the game and we would play fake crowd noise like it was COVID and we would play, you know, we would do all that. We would have cutouts in the stands like it was COVID because we didn't get to play during COVID. And instead, we would invite everybody to a bar on campus to watch the game and they could do like discounted drinks and live stream the game. But we would intentionally do dress like a seat night. And I don't know. I thought it was a good idea. The guys on the team didn't quite appreciate it because maybe we do have some of those games where it is dressed like a seat night. I don't know. Maybe another team will take my idea and it'll catch on somewhere. I think that'd be kind of cool for Liberty to do since they always pack their arena. Just kind of see what it's like to play there when it's completely empty. All right. Well, as as we wrap things up this week, got a huge episode planned for next week. This is a guy that we've been trying to get on the podcast for a really long time, and he's a name and face that everyone across the league recognizes. So you have to stay tuned for that. And as always, be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to leave a question and we'll answer it on next week's podcast. I'm Murph signing off and you know, have a good week, guys. Awesome.